On this week's AV Week, we talk about IoT and hacked CCTV cameras. Infocom is adding more European connections to their portfolio, and Pioneer is partnering with Google. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Extron. This is AV Week, episode 253, recorded Friday, July 1st, 2016. Indispensable industry icon. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. I am Bradford Ben. I am taking over for Tim Albright here on June 1st, sorry, July 1st, 2016. Uh, let me first introduce my my guests for this week's AV Week. Uh, my first guest is a genius like myself and has dressed appropriately for Aloha Friday. That would be John Green. Good afternoon, Ben. Nice to see you, John. My second guest would be Craig McCormick, who I have a bone to pick with because he has 40 under 40, which I don't qualify anymore. So me and Tucker want 50 under 50, uh, yeah, 50 and under. And, you know, for people who are uh, forceful in the industry and the co-host to my most, Mr. George Tucker, who can explain what uh, Craig and John do. I'll explain who I am. If you don't mean, know me, I'm Bradford Ben. I work for Harmon in the large venue market, and I'm also the digital janitor for AV Nation, uh, and I am the one who took over the show and kicked off Tim. Uh, I, for those of you who follow us on Twitter, knew I was talking about it. Ben's the backup to the internet in Cincinnati, apparently, too, right? Is that what you're doing? And when the internet doesn't work, they go to you. Hey, I, I've messed up bigger <laughs> projects than this. So, John, why don't, why don't you give us a little bit background about yourself, introduce yourself to both of our listeners. Great. Uh, John Graham is Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Advanced AV, we're a systems integration company based out of uh, Westchester, Pennsylvania, just southwest of Philadelphia, and we service our clients, the corporate and educational clients, globally. Here we go. Uh, Mr. McCormick, I'll let you introduce yourself and maybe explain why uh, George and I are left out of the list of most powerful people in AV as well as Mr. Green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Craig McCormick. I'm the editor-at-large for Commercial Integrator magazine. Um, it, you certainly uh, wield all the power in the industry, and uh, we we don't want people to uh, you know to, to get jealous of of all the power that you you have. So we're we're trying to mix it up and and add some new faces to that list this year. Well played. Well played. <laughs> nothing like nothing like pandering to the host. Oh Not yeah. Bad, huh? <laughs> That and, might, give you little, might give you a little bit more airtime. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, the person who's supposed to be keeping us on track and keeping us to about 30 minutes this week, but he's already lost control, but I haven't kicked him <laughs> off like I did Tim, Mr. George Tucker. George, Good why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. 
I, of course, am George Tucker from AV Nation and World Stage Incorporated. But to that end, thank you, Bradford. So let's start off the stories, actually. I'm going to take a little bit of a control from you here on the reins, though you'll be chomping at the bit. Uh, let's start off with a story about from Boing Boing about Always On CCTV. All right, guys. This, as I try to call it up here, there it is, uh, is about the ability to take over CCTV cameras and turn them into, well, little bots, I suppose, for DDoS. Uh, Bradford, let's start with you since you're the most knowledgeable on this kind of stuff. This is not the... Um, how do I say this? This is not the thing of Zuckerberg trying to cover his mic and his uh, camera with tape, right? This is something a little bit more insidious. More insidious, but Zuckerberg has the uh, the right approach, actually. I actually do the same thing. Uh, basically, a lot of the IPTV cameras or IP video cameras... Uh, hold on one second, though. You said you do the same thing, but don't they say the microphone cover doesn't work? Uh, it. You can do it the simpler way of I actually plug in a unused pair of headphones into my mic ah, inject, yes, and okay. I also connect up to an external mic input. Or I just don't talk. Yeah, no <laughs> one believes that. No, not at all. <laughs> all right, so I'm sorry. Tell me about this. These things actually have an operating system in them, so that makes them far more dangerous. Right. Uh, also, there's a little piece of software called Little Snitch that will monitor those for you on your Mac. Not that I have that and I'm paranoid. Uh, <laughs> but all, a lot of these products and not just CCTV cameras actually have a small Linux kernel running within them. And hackers got in because all of these CCTV cameras were doing the same thing and running very similar kernels and were able to get in and take control of them and tell them to hit this jewelry store's uh, website about 50,000 times a second. So it did the denial of service. Now, the denial of service isn't something that we as audio people really have to worry about, but the reason I bring it up, and to quote George from uh, the last class we taught together, why does this matter? It's the fact that IPTV cameras are being hacked. Yes, IPTV cameras are being hacked and being taken control of. And I can go through all the stuff that security found in the consultants and all that stuff, but it's more of the you still need to have good network security and good protection on your system, especially if you're doing video, because hacking a camera real easy as has just been seen. Well, let me bring John into this. John, you obviously install a lot of this stuff, yep. and well, you have to have a staff to do a lot of this stuff. Yep. You know, we've always talked about security, but it's become more and more important are you teaching your staff about security practices, or is this something you think we're all behind on? No, I think we're all behind on it. I think that we, I think that we talk about it lightly. I still think that we assume that the manufacturers have a certain amount of responsibility or vulnerability or responsibility or whatever entity you want to add to it. Um, but this, this should be a constant conversation amongst every systems integration dealer. And I don't think that we're really going to talk about it seriously until something happens. You know, these are, these are interesting stories, but I don't care about a jewelry shop. But if one of my pharmaceuticals was hacked because of some network security practice that I did not apply and 15 of the rooms went down and the president was spread, then we have a situation. Um, but again, I think that there's, I read articles like this, uh, George, and I say, where does the responsibility of the manufacturer 
to either push out security or teach us what are the best methods to, 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 to protect the client and themselves on the, on the, on the technology. Well, Craig, I know from the publisher's perspective this may be a difficult question, but J John just said, hey, the manufacturers should be telling more of this to us and helping us with these practices, just like they did when we first adopted Ethernet. We presumed everyone would know, but guess what? They didn't, and we had hours of tech support calls with all the manufacturers until we all sort of learned as an industry what to do. But we're relying more and more on these off-the-shelf pieces. Even these CCTV cameras are not really installed or sold to us by manufacturers with a direct line of support. Uh, do you think that the manufacturers should be doing more from us, or is there an industry-wide initiative that should be taken on? Um, I, I think it, it can fall to the in individual uh, manufacturers, but the, the industry should should have some involvement as well. I, I, I agree with a lot of what, what John said. Um, as far as you know, he, he doesn't care about the jewelry shop, but if you know his local drugstore was the, the the victim of it, that obviously that that'd be more you know pressing to to him. And and I think there, that's kind of a, a pervasive mentality with with a lot of this stuff. You know, um, until it happens to me, like I don't I don't really care pretty much but I, I think they they should care and it, it should be something that you know that, that people are are aware of he heading into it because obviously it's pretty easy to to hack these cameras and and it's it's being done right now so who knows what what could be next and if I can jump in just sure I was gonna go to you next but go ahead okay I can come back <laughs> uh, well I'm told you I'm taking over uh, George and John both brought up very valid points, uh, and I do agree it's up to the manufacturers to help set up uh, the security so that they're not all default, which is usually the biggest problem, is everyone leaves their settings at default, and, you know, how many of us know people that have the Linksys router with the admin password? Uh, so there is that problem. However, the other problem I see is the fact that not everyone realizes just how uh, interconnected some of this stuff is. Uh, there was a Harvard researcher who proved that just knowing someone's sex, sorry, gender, zip code, and date of birth, they were able to determine with an 87% uh, success rate who that person was, and they were able to go and figure it out. So, you know, she was able to find the governor of Massachusetts um, discharge papers from the hospital as a result. And that shows you just how tied in everything is. So adding the cameras on top of that uh, becomes a bigger and bigger issue and the liability. And I do agree security teaching needs to be thought about, but I also think that as the manufacturers, we have a responsibility to help you make it secure of the on your first login change your password things like that uh, which Cisco does on their switches but I don't know many fact many manufacturers who do it on their products hmm. yeah I, I think it, that uh, Ben I agree with you I just think that the conversation should come from the cracking of the box and, and, and the things like you mentioned that Cisco makes you do certain things when you when you make it come live I think that there's a they, they add features like it being an IP camera, an IoT device, and they're just talking about it as a, as a marketing uh, ability. Oh, your refrigerator can talk to you. Well, I don't want my refrigerator telling my next-door neighbor that I drink Yingling. You know what I mean? That information is 
you know, is, is private of my concern. But the other issue is, is that what information are we really trying to protect and what really needs to be protected? That's the other thing that I think that we're, we're just being lackadaisical about. Um, we, you talked about you can identify a person from certain information. I, I'm out there completely. You know, I'm all over the place. You could probably, you could, you could come at me really hard. Uh, I do the best I can with passwords, but if they really wanted to get you, they're going to get you. That's the other thing. Um, but I, I do. I think it's a pressing issue for the industry, and until something really serious happens and becomes an anecdotal story, I don't think action is going to be taken. That's my humble opinion. Interesting, indeed. I mean, and there was an EE Times uh, announcement about a seminar from them saying, how do you secure a billion IoT devices? Well, I think right. they have the answer, uh, but there's a serious uh, consideration there. All right, let's move on to another topic at the moment. Uh, from Pioneer Group's direct partnership with Google. This is a partnership in which they're going to look to make, uh, I guess, conferencing systems complete with all the ephemera. This comes to us from our friends at AV Magazine. Uh, John, I'll start with you. Uh, is this something in the soft codec world that you think you would be looking at? Uh, uh, what, what do you think of this sort of merger of, uh, of ideas? When Google came out with its box, we talked to Google almost immediately. And they had no support structure for the product. And, and that's, in some cases, what we're seeing. So I think it's important that they have strategic alignments, whether it's Pioneer Group or whatever it might be, to successfully launch the idea. But they acted, the, the way that they presented their, the solution was, it's $100. I can't give you tech support for $100. Figure it out. Google the instructions. <laughs> okay. And, you know, we knew that we couldn't support end users that way. I think that there is going to be a very strong offering of soft co software codecs out there. You know, Zoom's one, and everybody else is coming out with one, that are going to have an understanding of the relationship of a systems integration company and its customers and are going to be able to provide the support. That, I think, is going to be successful. This is always going to be there. I think that there is tons of software codecs out there that work sufficiently for a lot of people. It's going to be a, it's going to be a grassroots offering, as far as, my, as, far as I see it. Hmm. Uh, Bradford, they're claiming that they're going to be uh, supplying some of the hardware as well as the software, which will, I guess will be sort of free or through that universally free uh, Google uh, platform. But do you see them doing this sort of end-to-end -end with the software free working, or is there something that we're missing here? Is it not as secure? That seems to be the top du jour. Uh, well, that is actually one of the things I think is a bad thing about this is you have to uh, you have to use their products and their Chromebooks. Uh, so you know you have to buy a Chromebook from from Asus. You have to buy a Logitech PTZ. You have certain certain displays you have to use. So all of this is the samey-samey, and you have to buy their hardware. So in terms of security, the fact that people can do it themselves, it's not as secure. I do see that what Google's doing, in my opinion, is basically trying to monetize what we're doing right now and make it more professional. Uh, I think it's... So from a network standpoint, it's secure on the traffic, but who knows if Google's listening in since it's going through their servers. Uh, but I just see it kind of as a as an interesting way for Google to do the, okay, you can use our teleconferencing, 
and then I can see in a year, oh, now you can use Google Chat or Google Hangout at your desktop to be on the video conference and use Google Mail and use Google Docs. So they're trying to create the, the ecosystem uh, or ecosystem because we want to avoid echo. Uh, so I do think it's a good thing and it is trying to sell their hardware, uh, you know, because they do, you know, with the Chrome box and stuff, but I'm not sure it's going to solve the problem. And we as integrators and manufacturers of conferencing systems are going to have the story to tell still of why a why this system is better than that. Why use this camera instead of that camera? Why you need an acoustic echo cancellation uh, card instead of just running a codec on a piece of hardware on a piece of software? And but we have that exact same discussion when you try to explain to someone why not to just put a boombox in the corner of their store. But it does make us uh, have to work a lot harder. I, think I, that- I- you brought up an angle, Ben. I didn't. I never really considered it. Is I think that you know a lot of this material, software, and, and solutions being tied just to big data. I mean, the fact that everybody's utilizing the software and ties into it somehow to provide another market to attack with advertising. <laughs> yeah. It's it's that's it's sick. Is what it is. <laughs> just <laughs> well, it, it sounds funny, but when you look no, at the article. I yeah. agree with you. Google yeah. and Facebook aren't doing this just out of the goodness of their heart. There's a reason right. they're they're so valued. But if and, you look at, yeah, you look at the you. article, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't tell you how they're going to finance this. Is there a fee for right. the for the teleconferencing? Well, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to fall into a conversation that 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 is was had a couple of weeks ago with Microsoft buying LinkedIn. Uh, you know, again, that seems to be at a much higher level because it's attacking the professionals and you, you, the LinkedIn database is a more of a professional. This could certainly be a consumer level and, and I think that's where it is too. I mean, when I say grassroots, I think it's people that are not comfortable with technology as long as it's relatively easy, has limited functionality, that type. Again, it's, it's, that's where the success is going to be and if it's to gather all that data, well then, brilliant. But Well, let me ask a question though that hasn't been brought up. Uh, the replacement chain. We invest in getting this semi-inexpensive or affordable, as they like to call it, system in place. But two years, three years, four years down the line, Google's been known to drop things like crazy. Certain tools oh, just disappear. They won't and, last that long with this. That's my impression. I agree with you, George. I, they they leave the they leave it leave you hanging. Well, let me and ask they, you. Hey, this that, was a, that was a great idea. Did, yeah, let me ask you this though. Continue. Do you think that that makes it easier for the consumer to get? A replacement because it's a soft codec and there'll be another prosumer version in the chain somewhere else and it's just a quick adapt or is that really more troublesome? I, I, I think when I when I talk about the Microsoft and the LinkedIn, I think its success is going to be based upon you know the buzzword workflow. I don't know what you call that in a consumer, but it's relatively they need to introduce the technology so that video is used like the telephone was. And again, if it's used and it becomes a part of their workflow or a part of their, you know, their, their, their day, day-long activities, then, then it's a success, I think, because you could tie in you know, video at any given moment. Uh, you know, as you're driving to your Starbucks, you're talking to your barista to make sure that your mocha loca is going to be ready for you. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, but 
and that's how I see this stuff. I, I think that there, there's an awful lot of soft codecs coming out that will make it easy for video to become pervasive. So, so yeah. Craig, since uh, George hasn't called on you, I will. Uh -oh. What do you think of all this? Um, I, I, I kind of agree with, with, uh, with, with a lot of what you, what you guys are saying, and I, I think I have to kind of defer to the, the experts on this. I'm not sure I have a whole lot to, to add to it. Um, the, the one thing I, I do agree with is um, what, what John said about you know, kind of making video a little bit more like, like using the telephone and making it a little more accessible and that sort of thing. I, I think that's you know an important next step that, that has to come from, from somewhere, whether it's Google or, or somewhere else. I agree. And my big thing is how are they going to monetize it? They haven't said, but we all know it's going to happen. And it's, I do think that they're at least smart enough to say it's designed for two through 20 people because if it's one person, they're going to do exactly what we're doing and do it at the desktop. Yeah, right. It's true. But, but I, I think that if you get into monetization, let's say that they have this soft codec and the first rollout works relatively well, and they get some market research of how people are using what successes are. You know, where it's going to happen is it's going to happen in front of that 70-inch screen in your home theater. And on the sidebar is going to be advertising rolling alongside as you talk to your cousin across the, uh, you know, across the pond. Uh, I, I do, it's always going to come down to something like that or some ability to, you know, interact, you know, to... Uh, some kind of a store while you're talking to somebody. I think that's where it's going to go. Hmm. All right, well, moving on to the next story, which is just a little different and doesn't really involve security, uh, on the, uh, at least on the face of it. Uh, from our friends at International Installation or Installation International, Infocom looks to expand into Europe with an association with, uh, what is it called, AFAR? Uh, AFAL, A-F-I-A-L, that's an AV organization in Europe and Spain. Uh, to, to reach out beyond, I suppose, doing ISE in just Amsterdam. Uh, Craig, let me start with you. What do you think of this, both the deal and the idea of moving it, moving the show around? Actually, George, I want to correct you. Okay. The agreement is actually only to promote the education standards and best practices in Spain. They're not trying uh, to do a show. There you go. I didn't get to read that one so quickly. All right. Well, that would be a precursor, would it not, to moving into that way. We've seen this before for various trade organizations, but let me rephrase the question for you there, Craig. So uh, what do you think of this idea of them uh, doing this association and moving that education and maybe some forms of the show into the Europe and Spain? I, I think it is not surprising at all. I, I don't know how great of an idea it is, but, but I you know, I'm not surprised that it's happening just just based on hearing a lot of Infocom officials and, and talking about, you know, the opportunities that are available overseas, you know, in Europe and you know, Middle East and, and various other places, just, you know, how how most of the opportunities in this industry are, are overseas at this point that, you know, I think I think uh, the last time that, that I heard David Labuskis talk, it was something like, you know, 70% of the Infocom members live in the United States or North America, and about three quarters of the opportunities are, are outside of North America. So it, I think this is kind of a natural progression and a natural ne next step um, in, in terms of that. Yeah, Bradford, when you chimed in before, we spoke about this uh, just off camera before the show and basically calling it Brexit in reverse. Um, but do you have some strong opinions on this as well? What are your thoughts on them striking this deal? 
I, I understand why they're doing it. Uh, and I'm going to sound crass, and this is where I have to make that statement of, uh, you know, this is my personal opinion. I'm not speaking on behalf of my employer at Harmon, who is a member of Infocom, so I have to make sure uh, that they know that. Uh, but I think this is a way to make more money on CTS uh, and make more money on training, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but there are some large differences that I think are going to surprise people uh, in all of this, in the practices. You know, there's different electrical code. The buildings are different. The fact that it's a 100-volt system versus 70-volt system for high impedance, things like that. But it, I think... You know, the biggest one I see is stuff like EN54 for life safety versus NFPA72 here uh, is going to be the issue. I do think that training is great. Uh, I'm very much for it, uh, especially so we can protect those IP cameras. Uh, and I do think it's great of, since I do travel the world and see all these different projects, of being able to have them be consistent. Uh, so... That's kind of my take on it, is I think it's a good thing. It is a good friendship agreement, but, you know, it's not the show, and I don't think that they can use the same standards and practices overseas as uh, are used here in the States. And it's just, you know, building codes different, boxes are different, what needs to be in conduit is different, things like that. It's kind of interesting you brought that up, Bradford, because uh, I did a story uh, earlier this year about uh, working globally and internationally, that sort of thing. And, and one of the things that a lot of the integrators mentioned is when you go into a new area or a new country, you have to learn, you know, the way they do they do business. You know, the 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 you know the just you know the the customs in that area. And you know, when when you say I need something done quickly, that doesn't mean the same thing to everybody. So it, that filters down to products as well, products and standards as well. So um, cert certainly things are, are different here than, than they are in, in other parts of the world. So trying trying to create a, a worldwide standard and, and you know worldwide CTS program is certainly going to come with some challenges. But uh, it, it's it's like I said earlier, it's it's definitely not something that that surprises me that that Infocom is trying to do that. Yeah, I, we have some very intimate um, stories regarding this. I mean, we're currently working on projects in Paris, Dublin, Zug, and in Austria. And we understand why the Brits left the EU. Um, the, uh, the, the, the work regulations alone are the, are the critical ones, and you must work with a partner over there. So I think that Infocom's role of, of lining up the partnerships and lining up the people that could work together and or providing the real good data as to if I'm in Austria, you know, what do I have to do to get, get a, to get a la labor force? Uh, because the work needs to get done. And in many cases, um, we, we've worked out that partnership, but to understand the regulations alone and understand the workforce regulations is, is an unbelievable time consumption. Um, and, and, and I think that that's the role that an Infocom plays, or at least it should play. And, and I agree with Craig. I think that everybody I talked to at Infocom this year, they say global, at least once in one sentence anytime they talk to me. I think that they see that's where the market is and that's where they see the growth is. And, and, and we, are, we, have, we have, again, like we have a personal experience and we would agree that global is the growth period right now. All right. Well. That'll be seen then. All right, and for our last story, of course, Mr. Craig McCormick is here for this one as well. CI's 40 under 
40. This is their annual event in which they honor those 40 people under 40 who are helping change the industry. Uh, as you heard previously, Bradford and I are sort of vying for the 50 or 51 and under. Not that we'll ever make the 40. I've beaten that by at least 10 years. But, so I guess you're uh, going to throw in a 60 under now, too, because of me? Let's, <laughs> well, you get a Lifetime Achievement Award, so you get to that point. That's the last time I've Achievement Award. Right? Well, exactly. Indispensable industry icons. There you go. Well, that's you. I mean, we've sold it. That's there one you person, you're done. Come Wait, on. That's, that spells idiot, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Craig, tell us about some past winners. Tell us about what's coming up for this and what your needs are for the uh, the upcoming uh, um, votes. Yeah, well, well, as you mentioned, um, you know, we we've done this. This is the third third year in a row. We kind of started off just to to see, you know, what what the uh, you know what the response would be and you know how, how people would would respond to it. Um, it was extremely popular, so we we certainly did it again last year. It became uh, um, a cover cover feature for us uh, last September. Um, it will we'll have it the same this this September as well. We're uh, taking nominations at, at this point through July fifteenth. Um, we do have a story on our website about it to you know to find out more about who's who's eligible. Unfortunately, those for manufacturers aren't eligible. So even if you were 39, Bradford, you'd still be out, I'm afraid. How about this Navy Nation member or a Snodcon instructor? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, well, we'll we'll see. Maybe we maybe we can find an exception. We we uh, were able to you know the first couple of years we did fudge with the rules a little bit and uh, have have a couple of those who were actually 40 years. Years old, including uh, AV Nation's founding father Tim Albright. Uh, he he was on the uh, the first list along with Chris Netto and and a few others from from AV Nation. Um, we're every year we try to have uh, or we do have uh, 40 new people on on the list. So anybody who has been on the list before is not on the list again. Although we do seek out nominations from from those who have been on the list but but anybody is eligible to to nominate anyone um so you, you can uh, find out more of those details on uh, commercialintegrator.com like i said the the deadline for nominations is july 15th and we'll uh, have it on our, our september cover and we'll uh, we'll have that link up on the show page as well. All right, guys. Well, we've hit our final moment here. It's 30 minutes in. We try to keep them nice and tidy, despite Mr. Bradford taking over. I want to thank you all for coming on, Bradford. Thank you for hosting. Tell people uh, more about what you're doing and where they can reach you. Uh, well, I can be found at BradfordBen.com at AviationNation.tv. Uh, I can be found during my day job at BradfordBenAtHarman.com or pro.harman.com. I write a few blog posts for them. Uh, and I can probably be found uh, traveling the world, making it safe for uh, professional audio while I try to understand the best practices. There you go. All right, Craig, uh, in addition to the CI link that you provided us, where else? You are on Twitter quite active. Where can they find you there? Yeah, um, it's just my name, which is Craig McCormick, and the last name is M-A-C-C-O-R-M-A-C-K. It's been spelled multiple ways, so it's always better to, to spell it out there. And also, obviously, commercialintegrator.com and comintegrator for Twitter for uh, Commercial Integrator. I have to note, though, that if you have a low tolerance for uh, Boston sports, you might want to avoid them for at least certain parts of the year. Yeah. Otherwise, it's fine. You, you might, you might diet. The yeah. pictures he retweets yeah. are also kind of difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while, I put something about uh, AV integration in there between the uh, the Red Sox and the the food tweets. So, well, if we're covering the Bruins, we might be able to hang with that. 
because they were in original six. I think actually George played in the first uh, in the first game. I, I indeed did. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, also, last but not least, of course, our friend John Green. Sir, where can they find out more about you and, of course, your very active participation on Twitter? Yeah, actually, i got got another little project I'll talk about. But uh, you can basically find me at advancedav.com. That's our website. And uh, my Twitter handle is jgreen6, S-I-X. But I, I actually uh, picked up a summer project. I volunteered and, uh, and, and was awarded the opportunity to work with Cedia and their show coming up oh. in Dallas. And uh, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm an officially a Cedia tweep. And I'm going to be coming at that market from a professional systems integration side because I think that there's a fair amount of technology that goes through that goes flowing through that little organization right to us. And so if anybody's looking to get to Cedia and wants to once a floor pass, you can use our code. It's advanced AV16. Jump on board. So you'll be seeing me there. They don't know what they're getting themselves into, do they? Uh, I got to tell you, I'm letting them down a little bit now, Craig. That's what I, I'm literally able to. I think of instead of spe- is celebrating the Fourth of July, I'll be using my Twitter thumbs all weekend while I'm trying to catch up. <laughs> manage expectations, right? Isn't that the golden rule? Manage <laughs> yes, expectations. Absolutely. All right, in managing your expectations, I am of course George Tucker. You can reach me at Tucker Tuesday on almost all the social media platforms. I write for various and sundry trades, including uh, Mr. McCormick's CI. Uh, but this is a production of avnation.tv. This show and many more like it are available there at avnation.tv. You'll find shows about education technology, about the IoT revolution, this and many more. But we are also able to do what we do because of our underwriters. We have an underwriter page on our page. Please go visit them, and if you get the chance, say thank you to them, because without them, we'd be doing this with two tin cans. So that is for our crew, for the guests, and for avnation.tv. I bid you good night, have a safe holiday, and we'll talk again very soon. Thank you.